0: Thanks for tuning into to Crime Suit Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Carter. And I'm Hannah. And this week we'll be discussing the mysterious disappearance of Carrie Farber. In 2012 in Omaha, Nebraska, a mechanic named David Kuba was working in his car shop when a woman by the name of Carrie Farber came in to get her SUV fixed and happened to catch his eye. Dave was immediately taken by Carrie's beauty, but he didn't want to seem unprofessional or make her feel weird, so he didn't say anything to her. However, a few weeks later, while on a dating site, he happened to see Carrie's profile and he decided to reach out. They talked on the dating site for a little while, and soon enough, Carrie was back in the SUV shop to pick up her car and after seeing each other again, they decided that they had a lot of chemistry and exchanged numbers. On their first date, Carrie and Dave went out to dinner, and after dinner, they decided to go back to Dave's place. On their way into his house, a woman was leaving his house at the same time. This woman was Liz Gallagher, Dave's ex-girlfriend. She was picking up a few things that she had left at Dave's house after they broke up, and Liz was a little bit annoyed that She was witnessing this interaction of Dave bringing Carrie back to his house, and Dave and Liz started to get into an argument. Carrie felt that this was an awkward situation, and she didn't want to be in the middle of it, so she just decided to leave. She told Dave to call her later, and she drove home. Smart choice. Exactly. She's like, I'm f***ing out of here. (laughs) Later that night, Dave did call Carrie, and Carrie invited him back to her house this time. So she lived about an hour outside of Omaha, Nebraska, where Dave's house was. So Dave drove all the way there and they had a good time. And then Carrie specifically established that this was a casual relationship and that she was not interested in anything more than a little fun fling. And according to Dave, this was awesome news for him. He also wanted this. He had just gotten out of a long-term relationship with Liz and it didn't end well. So he was more than happy to pursue something that wasn't serious. So this is like a friends with benefits type thing. Eh, just kind of they liked sleeping together. Carrie was a computer programmer and her office was in Omaha about an hour outside of where she lived and Dave described Carrie as being super smart and a total whiz at computers and they would often just meet up after she was done with work. A little more background on Dave's past relationships so he had just gotten out of a relationship with Liz who he had dated for a few years but before Liz he was in a long-term relationship of 12 years with a woman named Amy and he had two children with her. They were never married, despite Amy really wanting a further commitment in their relationship. Amy described Dave as emotionless and said that she wanted to get married, but Dave had never showed interest in being fully committed to her. In early November 2013, so they had been seeing each other for like two weeks at this point, Carrie asked Dave if she could stay at his house for a few days because she had a work conference in Omaha and didn't want to drive back and forth to her house every night. Dave enthusiastically agreed, and Carrie came over to stay. The first morning after Carrie had spent the night, Dave kissed Carrie goodbye and left for work around 6.30. He said that he was ecstatic that he was going to have this beautiful lady at home waiting for him when he got home from work. Where's this going to (laughs) go? Yeah. Carrie also left the house at the same time, around 6.30 a.m. At 10 o'clock that same morning, Dave got a text from Carrie that said, Do you want to move in together? No. Dave was thrown off by this. They'd only been dating for two weeks. That it was very casual and especially because Carrie established that this was a casual thing for her and that she was not interested in pursuing anything long term or anything serious. He was extra like taken aback. He's like, What the heck? This isn't what you wanted. So Dave responded that he wasn't really ready for that, and Carrie flipped out. I'm so confused. Yeah, she sent a string of texts saying like, fine, then we're over. I hate you. Never talk to me again. I'm seeing someone else anyway. And Dave is at work. So he didn't really have time to respond to all these texts that he was getting. So he just kind of like put his phone down. And like, he didn't really think anything of it. Like he was like, damn, that kind of sucks. Like, but they weren't dating for that long. And he just figured that he dodged a bullet. Yeah. Carrie was raised in Macedonia, Iowa, by her mom and stepfather. And they said they always knew that something was different about Carrie. They said she was super smart and that boys had always just been drawn to her. She was cute and fun and outgoing and people just wanted to be around her. Some of her friends said that she's very smart, but she always made bad choices in relationships. She was a romantic. She would fall head over heels and kind of get lost in a situation instead of seeing it for what it really was. And the specific case that her friends are referring to was uh, in college, she dated this guy who was just not good for her. And she really wanted to make it work, despite this guy really not wanting to make it work. And Carrie ultimately ended up getting pregnant. This guy didn't want anything to do with the baby or her, and she decided to keep the baby. So she moved back home, had her baby, she went to computer science school, she graduated, and she and her baby, who she named Maxwell, lived near her family, and she raised him on her own. And I guess at this point, I'm like, this isn't really like a red flag. Everybody, when they're young, makes dumb choices about relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody kind of romanticizes relationships that you have and tries to make it work with somebody who is not good for you. Like, this isn't like, oh my god, this is huge red flag behavior. This is like normal young person behavior. But later in her 20s, Carrie was diagnosed with bipolar disorder after she had her son. So she had bouts of extreme depression where she couldn't get out of bed and then bouts of mania as well. And her bipolar disorder was totally managed. She was on medication. She was reportedly happy and content. She didn't have a lot of issues with her disorder. And that's not to say that she didn't struggle. I'm sure she did. But we don't have any instances of her like refusing to take her medicine or completely going off the deep end or anything like that. She had a lot of familial support as well, which is monumental when it comes to dealing with mental health struggles. If you have a lot of familial support and you have good medication and a good routine or some type of stability in your life, that's so important for having a good outcome when you have mental illness that could be debilitating, right? Carrie's son, Max, was a teenager when Carrie went to go stay at Dave's house for a couple days. He's about 14 years old. And he knew that she was going to stay with somebody, but he didn't know the nature of his mom's relationship with this person, right? And her family didn't really know about her dating habits either. She kept that pretty private. And her son, Max, went to stay with his grandparents in Iowa while she was going to be gone for those couple days. Obviously, Carrie doesn't go back to Dave's house that night when Dave tells her he's not ready to move in and she lashes out, right? And he just assumes that she left and went to go back home. But he's continuing to hear from her because she continues to text him all day angry stuff.
1: Well, okay. So you're saying that she has, she's been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I mean... If she's having a bout of mania, that would explain why she's flip-flopping on her earlier discussions about their relationship. How originally she said, I just want casual relationship, and now she's suddenly saying that she wants to move in with him. But I'm not super familiar with bipolar, so if do you still get bad bouts occasionally, even if you're medicated? Or is this a sign that maybe she's gone off
0: her medication? I mean, this would probably be a sign that she went off her medication. Okay. Yeah. Because normally, like, if she's been on the same medication for a while and it's been helping and she hasn't had outbursts like this, this would probably be a tell that she stopped taking it. Okay. So Dave assumes that Carrie goes home, but Carrie doesn't go home. And on the second morning, the morning after she left for work that day... Carrie texts her mom and tells her that she quit her job and that she's moving to Kansas and that she's not taking anything with her and that she wants to leave her 14-year-old son with her parents. Why Kansas? Uh, Let me tell you. So Carrie's mom is super concerned and she tries reasoning with her, but Carrie is not having any of it. She's telling her mom that she just needs to get away and get out of here and she's dead set on moving to Kansas. So she had been talking about a a potential job in Kansas for a while. So it's not like Kansas was totally random, but it was random to just up and leave like that for yeah. with no explanation. And Carrie said that she wasn't going to be taking any of her furniture or her son. This is way too impulsive. Yeah. Carrie texted her son, Max, that she had gotten a second interview for the job in Kansas and that she was planning on moving, but that she would be back that weekend for a family wedding. But Carrie never showed up. Carrie's mom is extremely concerned at this whole thing, and she doesn't feel right about it. She begs for Carrie to call her so she can hear her voice, so she can just talk her through it, but Carrie refuses. Three days after Carrie told her mom she was moving to Kansas, Carrie's mom goes to the police department and reports her daughter missing. She doesn't know what's happening to her daughter or if her daughter's in trouble. She doesn't know if somebody's making her do this, but she knows that her daughter would never miss out on family plans and she would never ditch her son. They knew that Carrie loved Max more than anything and that she would never just leave her son like that. So Carrie even told her mom about the situation with Dave. Like she said she had broken up with her boyfriend and that she was checking into a mental hospital, which is all very out of character for Carrie, but not so outlandish that Carrie's mom felt like this was not within the realm of possibility. Mm Mm-hmm. The police weren't really any help because they were like, Carrie's a grown woman and you're still in talks with her at the moment. So there's nothing that we can do. And even if there was something we could do, she already told you what she's doing. So soon after Carrie texted her mom that she had gotten that job in Kansas, she said that she sold all of her furniture at her home in Nebraska. And then that's when Carrie's mom was like, well, maybe she really is having a mental breakdown. What kind of solidified this for Carrie's mom was that Carrie texted her mom asking her to meet the person she sold the furniture to. And Carrie's mom refused because, number one, she's all the way in Iowa. And number two, she didn't want to, like, help her daughter with this. And the whole time that this
1: is happening, Maxwell is with the grandparents? Yes. Okay.
0: And he kind of knows what's happening because Carrie is texting him too.
1: I don't like in these cases whenever there's, when everything is through texting because do we know that it's actually Carrie who's sending all these
0: messages? Exactly. And that's and that's what Carrie's mom, I think, is kind of concerned about at this point, because she's refusing to answer any of her calls. This is why with all of your friends and family
1: members, you need to have a secret question or secret code. Like, if you're ever not sure if it's me that you're talking to. Yeah,
0: you need I need to have the password.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: So, yeah, Carrie's mom was like, no, I'm not going to go do that. And so Carrie's mom and dad filed for temporary guardianship of Max, just in case Carrie tried to show up and take him. And Carrie's mom is still trying to petition the police to do something about her daughter at this point as well, because she truly believed that her daughter was not well, like at the very least in a crisis and at the very most in a dangerous situation. So Carrie's mom went to the police with all the information of the woman who wanted to buy Carrie's furniture and said, hey, maybe you can track this person down and figure out where my daughter is. Mm -hmm. So the police are like, okay. And they kind of reluctantly reach out. Because this isn't what the police are trained
1: to do. They don't actually have any kind of protocol for this, do they? No. and,
0: And she's a missing adult. So they don't really care. Yeah. But if they hadn't filed for temporary guardianship, they might have not done anything, right? So the police kind of reluctantly reach out to the woman who wanted to buy all of Carrie's furniture, and it was a woman by the name of Shannon Gallagher, but she went by her middle name, which is Liz. And it's the same Liz that also happened to be Dave's ex-girlfriend. You remember the one that was at Dave's house when Carrie and Dave showed up after their first date? So Liz, the ex-girlfriend, is buying all of Carrie's furniture? Yes and no. So (laughs) police reach out to Liz, and they're like, hey, were you interested in purchasing Carrie's furniture? And Liz explained that she had not paid for any of Carrie's furniture and she was not interested in it. In fact, her checkbook had been stolen recently and she assumed that it was Carrie who's the one who stole it. What? Yeah. So she explained to police that basically Carrie had stolen her checkbook and was posing as her to buy all of her own furniture. And she said that she had only met Carrie once and that it was at Dave's house. And Liz said that that's all she really knew about Carrie. And so if they wanted to know more, they could just reach out to Dave. And now at this point, police figure out that Carrie had a boyfriend and that he was potentially the last person to see her or he was still with her, right? So they go to Dave's car shop and they ask him questions about Carrie's disappearance. And Dave didn't realize that Carrie was a reported missing person, first of all. And secondly, he told police that he had been getting texts nonstop from Carrie ever since she left his house that Monday and never came back. And the police looked through his phone and sure enough, he had been receiving hundreds and hundreds of texts from Carrie of abusive, threatening messages. He had also been trying to call her and she hadn't been answering her phone and she would not leave him alone. Police kind of didn't believe him at first and they were kind of suspicious, but then they talked to him and they looked through all of his texts and then they were convinced that Dave didn't really have anything to do with her disappearance. At least not that they could see at that point. But the weirdest thing that happened is that Carrie started texting the detective on the case after the police met with Dave. So Carrie texted the detective and told him (laughs) that she would really appreciate it if they left Dave out of their investigation. She's just texting everyone? Yeah! And the detective explained that they couldn't rule anything or anybody out until they figured out that she was safe, right? And Carrie said it was pointless and to stop and that she only wanted one person to go away forever for destroying her life, and that was Liz. Liz? Yes, and after looking through Dave's text messages from Carrie... Carrie had texted all about how much she hated Liz and how Liz is responsible for the disintegration of their relationship. And that kind of confirmed in the police's mind that Carrie had stolen Liz's checkbook. And they were like, "Okay, well, maybe that did happen. How did she even get her checkbook? They don't know. They're like, she's crazy, clearly. So So the police encouraged Liz to make a report about her stolen checkbook. But before she could even make that report, she went home and someone had broken into her garage and graffitied whore from Dave on the inside of her garage. Whore? What'd you say? Whore from Dave? Whore from Dave. What does that mean? I have no f***ing idea. And like, if I if I was angry at somebody and I was going to graffiti something on the inside, like if I was Carrie in this situation, let's be real, and I was going to graffiti something on the inside of Liz's garage, I, I wouldn't say whore from Dave, I might just call her a whore. Or bitch. Or stay away from my man. But from Dave?
1: What's the from Dave? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. She's doing her
0: best. (sighs) (laughs) I mean, she's gotten pretty far so far. (laughs) I was going to say it's not very good, but she actually broke into the garage. So she's doing just fine, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Carrie potentially, allegedly, broke into Liz's garage and graffitied whore from Dave on the inside. Liz called the police. The police came out and took a report, and at this point, the police were very concerned that Carrie was absolutely having a mental breakdown, and they felt a lot of urgency to find her before she did something dangerous. So all the while, Carrie's family is trying to reach her and get her to come back home as well. They asked her to come to Thanksgiving dinner, but Carrie never showed up, and then about a month later, after Thanksgiving, Carrie's father passed away from pancreatic cancer. And Carrie didn't bother to show up for the funeral or offer any condolences until after the funeral had already taken place. And Carrie reached out on a Facebook message to her mother just to say sorry for missing the funeral. And all of this is extremely out of character. For Carrie, right? Because like she raised her kid as a single mother around her family. Her family was a tremendous support to her. It was unlike her to just abandon them like this. Carrie was very present on social media and through texting. And a few days before her father actually passed away, she posted on Facebook, in quotes, Dave Krupa proposed to me and I said yes. What? This didn't happen. She was making it up. And this was very confusing and devastating for family members because nobody knew what the heck was going on. They're watching it unravel in real time and there's literally nothing they can do about it. And it's not like this is just affecting them as a family. They're really concerned that it's affecting her son. And like I said, Dave had not proposed to Carrie. Dave said that he had not seen Carrie since that day that she left, but they heard from her daily because she sent 50 to 60 texts and emails every single day to him. Dave tried to change his number quite a few times, and it didn't matter. Carrie always found his number, and the text messages and emails just kept coming. The subject of the text messages mostly revolved around Carrie wanting Dave to love her, and also how much she hated Liz. How she thought Liz was a whore, and that Dave deserved to be with someone better. First of all, I just want to clarify, when I, when I say, like, she thought Liz was a whore, that's not me ad-libbing, that's what she actually said. Because I don't, mm-hmm. like, use that word to describe people. Another alarming thing was that Dave started getting texts about what he was doing inside of his apartment, like what he was wearing and what he was watching. No. Yes. And Carrie also told Dave that she had taken his extra key to his house. And then Liz started receiving similar text messages in terms of like what she was doing, what she was wearing, but Liz was also receiving pictures with those text messages, which is terrifying. So Carrie would send Liz pictures of like the inside of her garage and then also around her property.
1: She was getting pictures of her own property. Yes,
0: yes. No. Oh, my God. Yeah, and Liz has two children. They're not Dave's. They're from a previous relationship. But she and her two children live in this house alone. And she's getting these kind of text messages. That's terrifying. And the police couldn't really do anything because every time Carrie would send them, like, a text of what they were wearing or something like that, they would call the police. The police would come down there. They'd look around. She was nowhere to be found. So they just feel like prisoners in their own homes at this point. At one point, Carrie texted Dave saying that she had Liz and that Dave had to do exactly what she would say or else Liz would be killed. And then Carrie sent a picture of a bound and gagged woman to Dave. But Dave couldn't make out who this person was and it didn't really look like Liz. And so he called Carrie's bluff. He was like, you're lying. You don't have Liz. And it turned out to be a fake threat. She didn't actually have Liz. Liz was fine. So Carrie continued to harass Dave and Liz well into the winter of 2013 just a timeline clarification. Carrie had gone to Dave's house in the beginning of November 2012. She moved to Kansas or so she said, right? But now it's like February of January February of 2013. So it's been a couple months at this point. Dave was walking in a parking lot near his work and he saw an SUV that looked a lot like Carrie's SUV. And the reason that it stood out to him was because it had been snowing, but the roads were clear and everybody's cars were cleared off except this one car that looked like snow had been piled up on it and it hadn't been cleaned off in a while. And so it caught his attention. And when it caught his attention, he thought that kind of looks like Carrie's car because he worked on it. He's a mechanic, right? So he had had her car in his shop for a while, but yeah, he saw the SUV and he went and looked closer at it. And he was like, no, this is Carrie's car. And so he called the police. The police get there and it is in fact, Carrie's car and they take it in for processing. But the car was clean inside, and they didn't really find anything except for a single fingerprint on a mint container in the cup holder. They processed the print, but nothing came up, so whoever's fingerprint it was wasn't in the system. In the meantime, the threats against Dave and Liz are ramping up from Carrie. Carrie told Dave about how she had hired someone to kill Liz and her children, but the way that Carrie was posturing it in the text messages was that she was saying, like, remember, Dave, when we said that we would hire somebody to kill Liz and her children? I'm finally doing it for us. Like, she was trying to incriminate Dave.
1: hmm
0: At this point, police asked Dave and Liz to bring in their phones so that they could get a phone dump. So, do you know what phone dumps are? Like, police phone dumps?
1: I, I guess I have a general idea. They're just, they're pulling all the data off of it.
0: Yeah, but if you ever let the police take your phone for a phone dump, they can literally get every single thing that's ever been on your phone. It doesn't matter if you've deleted it. So, like, mm-hmm. pictures, texts, whatever it is, it brings it all back. Yikes. This does not have anything to do with the story, but I would never let the police do a phone dump on my phone unless it was literally a matter of life and death or they had a warrant. <laughs> because this makes me think of that one case in Utah. What's that girl's name? She was killed by her ex-boyfriend in uh in Salt Lake City, and she was an athlete at the U of U.
1: Yeah, didn't they did a phone dump.
0: Yeah. They did a phone dump and one of the detectives found her nude pictures on her phone and he ended up passing them around to the other de- other detectives. Mm-hmm. this girl had been dead and they were passing around her her nude pictures like that it makes me insane and it's not like she could have done mm-hmm. anything to prevent that she had she was passed away no i think i
1: think they did the phone dump while she was still alive oh they did if i remember correctly she agreed it was lauren mccluskey yeah lauren mccluskey she was uh, scared that her ex-boyfriend was gonna do something to her
0: yes and she went to police asking them to he was
1: stalking her and she was turning over her phone for evidence and i think they said oh yeah we're gonna pull all this information off so we have incriminating evidence that yeah he's been harassing you but then like you said they got some of her photographs and then they saved them to their personal phones it wasn't related to the investigation and they were like sharing nude photographs of her with each other which i hope that they're in
0: jail or something after that.
1: No, they just it. got
0: let go. The detective who did it just got let go. But i'm pretty sure he got rehired at a different department.
1: Yeah. Boys will be boys. They fucking won't if i
0: have anything to do with it. <laughs> they won't be boys anymore when they i'm won't. Done with them. <laughs> they fucking won't. Boys who do that shit I can't say it on this podcast or it will get taken down, but you don't want to try and find out. But anyways, Dave and Liz bring their phones in. And um, during this time, Dave and Liz kind of started talking more and hanging out more. And this made Carrie even more angry. So at one point, Carrie threw a rock through Dave's windows. And they didn't know for sure it was Carrie, obviously, because they hadn't seen her. But obviously, they just assumed it was her. Carrie's attacks escalated even more when on a Saturday morning, Liz called Dave in hysterics and sobbing, saying that Carrie had finally done it. Liz's house had been burned down. Luckily, Liz was in the process of moving out of the house, so her and her children were already sleeping in their new home. But somebody had broken into Liz's house and set it on fire. And her two dogs, her cat, and a pet snake all died in the fire.
1: You remember way back at the beginning of season one, we did an episode on stalkers? Yeah. When I was doing research for that episode, there were so many things that I didn't know about stalking. And one of them was that they... I understood that they escalated, but a lot of times they start with harming pets and doing property damage. And it's an escalation up until they usually hurt the person that they're stalking yeah so this is following it exactly that she's escalating from text messages to property damage harming pets and now yeah
0: Yeah. and the police are super super concerned like they i think they saw those same signs as you did and they were like we got to find her because she's gonna hurt these people Mm mm-hmm Police interviewed the neighbors and a few of the neighbors said that they had seen a woman parked in a car outside of Liz's house a few weeks before the fire. And so the detective showed the neighbors a picture of Carrie and asked if this was the woman who was sitting in the car. And the neighbor said they couldn't really tell. They just assumed that it was, but they couldn't really tell. So after the fire was set, Carrie sent an email to David admitting to the fire, saying, I'm not lying. I finally set that nasty whore's house on fire. I hope the whore and her kids die in it. And then Carrie sent an email to Liz saying, I hope you and your kids burn to death. If somebody sent me that, I would never be okay again, honestly. (laughs) Like ever again. I would never feel safe. I would have to leave. And I don't even... Know where to go? Like where? Where do you feel safe after that? I don't know. So after this, Carrie kind of turned her aggression onto Dave because she had been targeting Liz, and she threatened to slit his kids' throats. So Dave is terrified for his children's safety at this point and his own, honestly. And he bought a gun. And just a reminder that the whole time this is happening, Carrie's family is reaching out to her, begging her to come home. She missed Christmas. She missed her son's birthday. She missed Thanksgiving. She missed the death and funeral of her father. But in April 2013, Carrie's family got a string of hope because they received a call from a man saying that Carrie was currently living in a homeless shelter in Omaha. So Carrie's mother rushed over there with a detective, hoping to finally have some closure and get their daughter back. Uh, But when they showed up to the shelter, a detective showed a picture of Carrie, and the shelter said that this woman had never been there. Where did the tip come from? They don't know. It was an anonymous tip. Well, and it wasn't even a tip. It was somebody had called Carrie's mom directly. It's weird. Yeah. Carrie's mom knew in her heart of hearts that this was not Carrie, but detectives weren't buying it. They were like, she's got bipolar disorder. Nobody's posing as her. She just had a break. Max, Carrie's son, also had a suspicion that this wasn't his mom. And he would try and talk to her every now and again, but every time they talked, it just didn't seem like her. So he came up with a plan. He reached out to his mom. Carrie messaged back and said, hey, what's up? And Max decided to ask his mom three questions that only his mom would know the answers to. What is his middle name? What was their first boxer's name? And who was his childhood best friend? Carrie didn't respond to any of these messages. So she had responded to his messages before, but not these ones. Okay, but,
1: I mean, I agree that it's possible since she's acting so erratically and out of character and only through text messages and emails and stuff that this could be someone posing as her but if someone is posing as her what are they gaining from it what what does some rando have to gain from burning down liz's house and texting her ex-boyfriend 60 times a day
0: and that's exactly what the detectives thought as well (laughs) okay like it just doesn't make sense why would somebody do this
1: This is a very, this is a very complicated and full-time job that she's...
0: Yeah. So Carrie tells her mom around this time as well, so in April 2013, that she feels like she suffered a mental breakdown and that the guy she was with wasn't worth it, and that she feels like she's coming out of it, and she's getting better, but she still doesn't want to come home. So Dave, at this point, he feels very unsafe. He moves to a town called Council Bluff, Nebraska to be closer to his kids. And Carrie continues to harass him for three years after that. So Dave and Liz had been in a relationship still after those three years, but they started to kind of fizzle out. And as Liz and Dave's relationship fizzled out, Carrie's harassment also kind of fizzled out as well. But as things are kind of like getting back to normal and Dave is starting to feel a little bit better, Dave notices that the gun he purchased to keep himself and his children safe from Carrie has gone missing.
1: He has no. no idea
0: where it went. And he calls the detectives and he explains the whole situation. At this point, it's been three years and the detectives who are on the case aren't there anymore or they don't really care about the case. But there is some talk in the precinct because Dave just reported his gun had gone missing. And so everybody's kind of like talking about it again, right? And there's two new detectives to the police department who are overhearing this conversation about Carrie and the case surrounding the harassment of Dave and Liz. And these two new detectives were fascinated by this and they asked to head up the case. So everybody's like, sure, if you want, like, this is, this is just a shit show. But if you really want to take up the case, you can. So these detectives planned to go through Liz's entire phone dump, and then they were going to call her in for questioning. But they didn't even have to call Liz into the police department because Liz came in on her own before they could call her in to file a harassment claim. But not against Carrie. Liz wanted to file a harassment charge against Dave's other ex and the mother of his children, Amy. Liz claimed that since she and Dave broke up, Amy had been stalking her on Facebook. First of all, if that's a crime, lock me the fuck up. I'm so... <laughs> that's what Facebook
1: is for. Yeah, I'm stalking
0: everybody and their fucking moms on Facebook. <laughs> but anyway, she came to file this harassment charge against Amy and she explained her own theory. Maybe it wasn't Carrie who was stalking them. Maybe it had been Amy this entire time. And Liz pointed out to detectives that it would actually make a lot more sense that the woman who actually wanted to marry Dave had been the scorned lover this whole time instead of Carrie, who had just wanted a casual thing from the beginning, right? The next day, after Liz filed this report against Amy, she went out for a drive to clear her head. She stopped at a park, and she was sitting on a park bench when she was approached by a woman from behind, who she thought was Amy, but she couldn't really see, because this woman put a gun to her back and told her to get on the ground. So she gets on the ground and this woman shoots her in the leg, then runs off. So Liz was able to call 911 and she was rushed to the hospital. And there were a couple of things investigators noted that made them think that Amy was not responsible for shooting Liz. The first one was that the hood of Amy's car was ice cold. Her car hadn't been driven anywhere. And they went over to her house like immediately, immediately after the shooting. Immediately after the shooting. So she would have had, she wouldn't have had that much time. Liz got shot in the leg and then was immediately able to call 911. And the second was her, she had a super solid alibi. All of her neighbors said that they hadn't seen her leave and that she had been there the whole time. So police went back to the hospital to question Liz, because at this point they were starting to suspect that Liz had potentially shot herself. And the reason they were suspicious that Liz shot herself is because these two new detectives had gone through Liz's phone dump. And they had found some interesting pictures on Liz's phone. So they found a picture of Carrie's SUV on Liz's phone, and the timestamp indicated that the picture had been taken in 2012, a year before the car had even been recovered in 2013. They also found the picture of the bound and gagged woman that had been sent to Dave. So they were like, this could be really suspicious. Why is this picture on Liz's phone? So they immediately called in an IT expert named Tony Kaba, And when Tony Kaba did a deep dive on Liz's phone, he found a dozen email accounts, three dozen Facebook accounts, and at least three phone number apps. This IT investigator was able to track every single last one of the harassments against Liz and Dave to Liz's phone and her IP address.
1: I feel like this could have been done a lot sooner. This could have been done a lot.
0: Once investigators had this information, they took the fingerprint that they had found, the one in Carrie's car, off the mint tin, and they compared it to Liz's fingerprint. And it was a match. So Liz was driving Carrie's car. Not necessarily driving, but she was in it. They could prove that she was in it. Yeah. You're
1: telling me that Liz shot herself in the leg?
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh my god. But they, they need to prove that still. They're like, okay, obviously... Liz is the one who has been harassing Dave and Liz. Because it didn't come from Carrie's phone, it came from Liz's phone. Who has time for this? I don't know. She supposedly had two children, a full-time job, and a boyfriend. Yeah, I guess this was her hobby. This is a shit-ass hobby. She needs to take up like, bird watching or something. <laughs> Which is just normal
1: stalking. stalking <laughs> exactly. Could you imagine there's some sort of like stalking and recovery program? They're like, okay, hey, we're going to transition from stalking people to stalking birds. Get out your binoculars. Quit looking in that person's window. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Stalkers Anonymous. So they believe at this time that Carrie has been dead for the past three years. And that Liz is potentially the one who killed her, but they need to prove that. So detectives set a plan in motion to kind of trick Liz into giving them more information. So they didn't want to tell her that they thought she shot herself. They wanted to kind of play into whatever Liz was thinking. They wanted to play into it.
1: Let her think she's in control.
0: Exactly. So detectives told Liz that they had found remains and they were being sent off to the lab waiting to confirm if they were Carrie's or not. This was a lie. They hadn't discovered any human remains. But they were asking Liz to basically confirm the last time she saw Carrie alive to try and trick her into telling other times that She might have seen Carrie, but Liz was adamant that she had only ever met Carrie once. And that was when Carrie and Dave were going back to the apartment while she was leaving. But Liz kind of went off sidetrack and was like, well, I think it's Amy who's been the one sending these messages. And detectives agreed. They were like, yeah, we think it's her too. So they explained to Liz that we think that if Amy was bold enough to shoot you, then she's definitely bold enough to have killed Carrie. And we want to build a case against her. And so they ask Liz, they're like, if you have any information about what Amy could have done to Carrie, we want to know. A couple of days after this conversation with police, Liz starts forwarding the detective's emails from Amy, in quotations, saying, I'm glad I shot you, Liz. It was to make you stay away from Dave. It's just funny now that we know that she's talking to herself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she even forwarded the police an email from Amy where she said, I created a couple of those fake emails to get you to stay away from Dave, but I guess it didn't work. So police reached out to Liz after they got those emails and they were like, these emails are good, but they're too vague. Can you try and get some information out of her about (laughs) Carrie's murder?
1: It just, it kills me that she got away
0: with as much as she did. She should have stopped after the first thing she did and she would have been fine. So Liz sends an email to Amy asking her, if you really did shoot me, what gun did you use? And Amy responded that she had used Dave's gun to shoot Liz.
1: This explains how Carrie was able to break into Liz's house and graffiti the inside of her garage. Because exactly. it was just Liz graffitiing her own house.
0: <laughs> she just walked down to the garage and wrote whore from Dave in the garage. Like... <laughs> I still don't know what that means. I don't know either. <laughs> Like, she should have wrote Dave's whore. Uh, yeah, that would have been more biting.
1: We're like critiquing. Yeah.
0: Graffiti. Like bitch, you don't even know how to bully people. <laughs> I'll show you how to bully. Someone. Yeah. You dumb bitch, sit back and listen.
1: When you were like, if I was, <laughs> uh, if I was a psycho girlfriend, this is what I would write. <laughs>
0: Luckily, it's never come to that. And so Liz asks Amy another question. She said, did you ever meet up with Dave's ex, Carrie? And Amy responded, don't you worry, you didn't get it as bad as Crazy Carrie. So when I met Crazy Carrie, she would not stop talking about Dave and him being her husband. She tried to attack me, but I attacked her with a knife. I stabbed her three to four times in the chest and stomach area then took her out and burned her. I stuffed her body in a garbage bag with crap. So again, just a reminder, police hadn't told Liz that they had connected her to the past three years of harassment. Yeah. And so Liz thinks that she's helping, like, with this heroic endeavor to collect evidence about Carrie's disappearance. In reality, she's just trying to incriminate all of Dave's exes because she wants to be the only woman left standing alive in Dave's life. He's not worth it, first of all. Secondly, why? Literally why? I don't know anything
1: about this man, but he's not worth all this
0: trouble. He's just some guy. Like, he's literally just some guy.
1: Have you seen that movie, Ten Things I Hate About You? No. Oh, okay. It's one of my favorites. It's from 1999 with Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles. Okay. And it's an adaptation of The Taming of the Shrew. Okay. And... Julia Stiles' sister in the movie, they're in high school, and, like, all the boys are head over heels for her sister. And one of my favorite lines from the movie is, Heath Ledger keeps getting told by all of these guys, like, oh, she's so beautiful, oh, she's so amazing, and Heath Ledger goes, what's so amazing about this chick? She got beer-flavored nipples? <laughs> so anytime, anytime someone is like head over heels or there's like one celebrity or one person that everyone's like so madly in love with, I think in my head's like, what's so special about him? They got beer flavored nipples. Why does that make you special?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you're like, there's nothing special about this guy. And in my head, I'm like, maybe he's got beer flavored
0: nipples. <laughs> That's it. That has to be it. Anyway, sorry, care play her nipples. So Liz thinks she's helping incriminate. All of Dave's exes, so she can be the last one standing, but she doesn't know the police, the detectives are pulling a fast one on her. It's not even a fast one. It's a slow one. Yeah, it's a very slow one. After she sends detectives this email, Liz calls Dave and brags to him that she was helping the police prove that Amy had killed Carrie. And Dave, first of all, he was like, "What the? Carrie's dead?" for what because he didn't think she's dead he's being harassed by her for the past three years and also like he didn't understand like what do you mean amy killed carrie like what what is going on and liz and dave weren't in a relationship anymore at this point but dave trusted liz up to this point so dave called the police and he's like what is going on you think amy killed carrie and carrie's dead So police didn't let him in on all the details, but they did say it would probably be best to move in with Amy to protect her and her kids. And also stay away from Liz. Like, don't go near her. So as soon as Dave moved in with Amy, Liz freaked out. She called the detectives, like, screaming and crying um, that it's not fair. Amy killed Carrie and she shot me and now she gets to move in with Dave. It's not fair. And police were like, okay, we can play off of this. So they went along with it and they were like, you're exactly right. This totally isn't fair. This is terrifying. We need to do something about this. And so they asked Liz if they could have full access to her email account because they really needed to prove that Amy was the one responsible for Carrie's death. So Liz gave them everything that they needed. She handed over complete access to her email. And Amy, in quotations again, because this is actually Liz, Amy started to email Liz Weird, crazy details about the death of Carrie and even noting something about how Carrie had a yin-yang tattoo on her ankle. So these new detectives hadn't been involved in the process when Carrie's car had been processed by the crime scene investigators, and they wanted to retest it because in one of these emails, Amy, aka Liz, said that she had stabbed Carrie in Carrie's car. And unfortunately, the car had a new owner at this point, and so they had to track it down, but they were able to track it down. And they ripped up the driver's seat and they found a large red stain that looked like old blood in the passenger seat. They tested it and it came back positive for Carrie's blood. So the whole time this is happening, police had Liz on strict observation. They followed her everywhere. They wanted her to feel like she wasn't under suspicion, obviously, but they were trailing her because they were worried that she would escalate and kill someone again. And Liz had been circling Amy's house several times a day. So the police felt very rushed to do something and something fast because they were really worried that Liz would get violent again. Police ended up picking up Liz for a random misdemeanor charge. I don't even know what it was, but they decided to use this opportunity as a time to question her about Carrie's disappearance. Uh, They ended up asking her about her fingerprint in Carrie's car and Liz denied ever being in Carrie's car. And then she asked for an attorney immediately. And the county attorney was like, what the hell is this? Right? But in December 2016, four years after Carrie had gone missing, the county attorney finally agreed to arrest Liz for Carrie's murder. And on May 10th, 2017, Liz was put on trial for Carrie's murder. And Liz waived her right to a jury trial, which I feel like is a stupid decision in her case, because she could have potentially gotten sympathy from like regular uneducated humans, but a judge probably wouldn't have that same reaction. So a computer forensics team was able to determine that on the morning Carrie went missing, Carrie herself had logged into Facebook on her phone at around 6.30am and then logged off for two minutes later to leave for work. At 9.54am, Carrie's cell phone was used to access Facebook again and she unfriended Dave and it's assumed that right then is when Liz assumed Carrie's identity. So with this information, they determined that Carrie was murdered by Liz sometime between 6.30 and 9.54am. But even with all this information, it was still really hard to prove murder when there's no body. So police went to Dave and asked if there was anything that he could think of that might help them. And he remembered that he had a tablet he didn't use, but Liz often did use it when they were together. He ended up finding it and turning it over to them. And the memory card on the tablet had been deleted and reformatted. But police were still able to recover thousands and thousands of pictures that Liz had took on this tablet. One of those pictures was of a human foot that had a yin-yang tattoo on it. Just the foot? Yep. She was taking pictures at the crime scene? I guess so. I don't know why she was doing that. They remembered what Liz had told them about there being a yin-yang tattoo on Carrie's foot when Amy... when Amy had supposedly murdered her. They asked Carrie's mother to identify the picture to see if the tattoo was Carrie's, and it was. This picture on Dave's tablet that Liz had used when they were in a relationship had a picture of Carrie's deceased foot. I didn't see the picture, but the way it was described was, you couldn't see anything else really other than like a foot and a little bit of leg. But it didn't look like whoever the picture was of was alive. Liz's attorney tried to argue to the judge that this was a made up story and that the prosecution was just basically pulling this out of their ass. But the judge eventually charged Liz with first degree murder and second degree arson and Liz was sentenced to life in prison. Good. And that's where she'll rot for the rest of her life.
1: I don't think I... I never heard this story. And this happened so recently.
0: Yeah. I feel like this... Sh- was this like all over the news? I don't remember seeing it anywhere. There's it probably big news in Iowa and Nebraska. Okay, I just pulled up a picture of Dave. <laughs> he's just some guy. He's literally just some guy. <laughs> he looks like he's from Omaha.
1: Yeah. He's he's just your Omaha, Nebraska mechanic. Yeah. And people are committing murder to be with him. (laughs) I'm sure that made him feel special.
0: Oh my god.
1: One of my favorite true crime stories that we actually haven't covered on the podcast is the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan.
0: Oh, yeah. (laughs) To impress Jodie Foster. Yes.
1: (laughs) But did I tell you that In recent years, Jodie Foster has gone out and said, no, it was actually kind of impressive.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jodie, please. (laughs) (laughs) Like,
1: she wasn't going to date that man, but she's like, no, I I was a little bit flattered. Someone wanted
0: to assassinate the president to get my attention. (laughs) And it worked. It worked. Do you have any other thoughts? before I sign us off.
1: No, this case just makes me too sad.
0: Yeah, it's, it's devastating, honestly. Alrighty. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Crime Suit Podcast. Be sure to find us on social media. Let us know your thoughts on this case. You can find us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. We also have a website, crimesoupodcast.com. You can listen to all of our episodes and buy your very own Crime Suit merch. As always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Stay safe and bon appetit.